from around the world. This is the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Shadowlands Theatre presents Seven Deadly Sins, Part 2 Envy Completion Written by Jack J. Ward Produced and directed by Jack J. Ward and Andrew Dorfman There is a land that's somewhere beyond the horizon. You may catch a glimpse of it when the sun sets in the moments before dawn. It's the twilight that flickers at the edge of imagination, somewhere between reality and fantasy. It's the place where monsters roam, and portals to other worlds wait in the back of the closet and in the crevices of your mind. Welcome to the Shadowlands. Each day we get caught up with the little things. And yet other people tell you it's the little things in life that matter. But which little things? Are we the sum of our parts or parts of our sum? Wendy Smith is a woman in envy of the world around her, of the stories that are occurring in other people's lives and not her own. For her part, her darkest and deepest home remains in the Shadowlands. Jesus, I hate this elevator. I'm sorry. Every day, it's the same thing. Gold lame. Gold lame. I mean, in today's day and age, who dresses up an elevator in gold lame? I'm sorry, ma'am. It looks like a movie theater, you know? What? I'm sorry, pardon? I'm sorry you don't like the elevator, ma'am. Well, that's ridiculous. I mean, that's just ridiculous. You don't have to be sorry, sir. Not one bit. I'm the one that's running off at the mouth to you about it every day. I... Uh, where was I? Oh, yes. Gold Lame. Theater. Movies. It's dressed up like a movie theater curtain. You know, from that old theater. That... What... What was its name? Fox Theater, ma'am? Yes! Yes, the Fox Theater. What a dump. Gold Lame crinkled and pleated all the way up to the ceiling with stains of coke or something. Just like here. Did you ever go to that theater? No, ma'am. I've never been. Well, that's like what it is, I mean. It's like the doors would open and I would be out on this thrust stage in front of the whole world. I get all the theater I need here. I mean, placed out for the whole world to see. I'm not ready for something like that. Who could be? What? What? You said you've never been? Well, let me tell you. Do you have a cigarette lighter? Me? Oh, no, ma'am. I gave up smoking a long time ago. Yes, I can see you're a regular Boy Scout. Very good. Could you do me, um, a good turn for the day? Indeed. Certainly, ma'am. Where would you like to go? Where would I like to go? Where would I like to go? Why is it every day you ask me that question? Beg pardon, ma'am? The question, every day I come in. I complain about the gold lame walls on this shabby elevator, and you ask me where I want to go. Don't you know by now? If you'd prefer not to talk in the elevator, ma'am, you need Not talk on the elevator? Why, that's a ridiculous thing to say. Ridiculous! How would I ever get to where I need to go? Oh, you could walk, ma'am. Take the stairs. Sometimes the journey begins with a single step. That's good. That's good. I should get a button to stick that on for you. I like that. The journey of a single step. You forget one thing. Every morning when I come here, the elevator is right there. 
you're right ready to take me up. I couldn't very well turn my back on an open elevator that had lots of room, now could I? It would seem not, ma'am. I mean, the very idea. I don't believe anyone would, you know? I mean, no matter how many times you come in, sure you're going to walk those steps today. You could have set your mind to it, but before you get to the stairwell, the elevator doors open. Would you say then, thanks for holding the doors, my good man, but I'm headed for the stairs? No, I guess that wouldn't be efficient. Efficient? Be damned. It wouldn't be fast enough. We operate everything on speed. Let's say, for the sake of argument, ninth floor please, that someone would turn down a free and empty elevator and someone with your pleasant demeanor operating it for the staircase. Do you know what they would do? I'm quite certain that... Exactly. Exactly. They'd run up each flight of stairs like they were riding the steeplechase to the final bend. The favorite horse to win, the elevator, of course, they imagine to be just three or four steps ahead of them. If they can only just run that much faster up the 17 sets of stairs, then they will reach the top first. And not only would they have won the blue ribbon for health, which they've wanted in the first place, but they'd also beat the machine and prove it was faster to take the stairs anyway. You sure you don't have a lighter? Quite sure. Ninth floor, ma'am. Are you certain you want to get off here? Quite sure myself, thank you. Why would you ask me if I wanted to go elsewhere? Just curious, ma'am. Have a good day. Goodbye. You've got your messages on your desk, and the Simpson account is on hold on line one. Frank wants to see you in human resources after you get settled for the day, and there's a staff lunch and learn meeting at 11.45. Okay. Allie? Yes, ma'am? How long has that elevator operator been working the elevator? I'm sorry? Nothing. It's okay. Which line is Fred Simpson holding on? The day flew by. I have this weird sensation on days like this. An absolute certainty that I accomplish a great many things and do nothing at all important at the same time. I just remember a blur of contracts that were signed, seemingly endless phone calls and promises of contact lunches. By the time the day is over, I can't even remember what I'm selling, what is my part in the company, who my boss is, and why I didn't sign Allie to a lifetime contract. You have to meet Gabe downtown. Gabriel? What for? Do we even date? Oh, no, nothing like that. But you did promise to meet with him. Something about taking him to a family get-together. Right, of course. Don't hover so, Allie. I think I can put on my own coat. You'd think so. Have a good night. Okay. I'll see you tomorrow. I... What's wrong? I... It's nothing. I just... I think I'll take the stairs. See you tomorrow, Allie. If you think that's best. What? If you get some rest. That's funny. I'm sure I heard you say... Better motor. Gabe is waiting. I walk the streets going without really knowing where, on instinct. It's like getting up in the middle of the night when you're still half asleep and finding your way through the dark corridors to the bathroom. You know where every discarded piece of clothing fell. You know where you left the baby's rattle. Some kids play on the street. I can't see them, but I can hear their music. A kid is trying to play hot cross buns. Every fourth line or so, she gets it wrong. She always gets the fourth line wrong listening gives me a headache, but the more I walk, it seems I can still hear the tune just off in a distance somewhere. I find Gabriel's flat. He lives in an apartment in an old building. The Art Deco style is like a gothic mansion to my modern sensibilities. It's quaint in its own way, I guess, but not my taste. Something to be said, though, for the way the architects took the time to edge in shapes and symbols along the doorway. Even the small figure of the angel crying over the old wooden double doors adds to the mood. Gabriel meets me coming out of his apartment. It's strange. I don't know how long I've known Gabe, it seems like forever, and I've never been in his apartment. He heads me off just as I'm trying to step past him. Good thing you got here. Just in time. I was just about to go without you. Hiya, Gabe. I forgot all about this party tonight. It was, um... Any formal, right? <laughs> Don't worry. You look fine. Our host won't mind at any rate. What's that under your arm? Just my horn. Looks a little small for a trumpet, isn't it? Cornet. You never can tell when a tune is needed. I know you play in a blues band. I'm sorry, Gabe. I can't believe I've never heard you play before. You any good? I play enough. I haven't played in some time, though, and that's why... Excuse me, ma'am. 
That's why you haven't heard me. Why haven't you played? Um, where are we going? I think I'm lost. Past this street. We just need to go down the 7th Street fairway and then left on Elysium. Okay. Street's so busy, it's hard to think. That's the city. The right gig hasn't found me yet. Sometimes... You ever hear Count Basie play the piano? What does that have to do with... I mean, I don't think I follow... Count Basie. You know. Have you heard him play? Well, not live, if that's what you mean. That's exactly what I mean. It's amazing. Sometimes he just sits there watching the band, listening and smiling. And then he'll just put out his finger and play one note on the piano. Do you know what the audience does then? Demand their money back? No, they applaud like mad. They go absolutely crazy because Basie has captured them with one thing. You don't happen to have a light, do you? No, I don't smoke. I thought not. Oh well, what's that one thing? He understands the power of silence. Here, just pass this gate. After you. Thanks. The power of silence? Yes, that's the beauty of it. He waits until the perfect moment. The intervals. Basie can hear the sounds between the music. He can feel the intervals between the notes. And he understands. You said that. I'm glad he does. Understand? God is in the silence between the notes. Gabriel, thanks for coming. And you brought a friend. Hi, Timothy. This is... Wendy. Wendy Smith. Thanks for inviting us. Well, if you'll just follow me. Do I know, Timothy? Well, that depends. Everyone. Gabe's brought Wendy. Well, thank you. Boy, this kind of reception. I feel like we've interrupted a wake. Look over there, Wendy. See the coffin set up against the wall? It was a wake. Do you ever get that feeling that you're walking in a dream? Even when you're putting your foot in your mouth, it feels like you're not really there. You just retreat from the stares and the mumbles of disapproval from strangers, like you're certain that by this time next month, most of them will have forgotten what has transpired. And by this time next year, no one will even remember your face when you meet in someone's house with a coffin set up like a ghoulish wardrobe against a living room wall. The evening creeps by. And I stay close to Gabe. He seems to know everyone, and I know no one. That's the strange thing about a city. Everyone living so close together, and no one knows anyone. I suppose some feel comforted by the anonymity. They feel settled in seeing people from a distance. But for me, it just makes me nervous. I look into the faces of each of the people around me, and I know. I mean... I can feel that their lives are more full. They have purpose. They have direction. Every word they speak is delivered honestly. They even ask the right questions, but me, I just feel lost. I'm just walking in a dream. No, worse, someone else's dream. Did you want another piece of cake? What? I'm sorry, I must have drifted off. That couple over there. Is that the grieving family? Why do you ask that? Because they look like they are trying to be brave about something. I've never seen people so consistently brave. No, they didn't know the deceased. Didn't know? Then why are they here? You didn't know the deceased, and you're here. I don't know why I'm here. Neither do they. Thanks. This cake is delicious. What are their names? Kate and Jeffrey. They own a boutique down in the village. What kind of boutique? They never said. That sounds wonderful. They must love living down there. Just think, your own store, no, boutique, in the village. Having the regulars come in and purchase the latest, the latest, well, whatever the hell they sell. I bet they're happy. I thought you said they looked like they were trying to be brave. Well, maybe I was wrong. What do I know? Look, they're over by the coffin. We should go and pay our respects. Wendy. Gabe, my arm. You don't want to do that. Come on, it's it's late. I should walk you home. Gabriel, please. It's rude not to at least pay our respects, especially after everything I said earlier. All right, Wendy. If that's what you want. It will just take a moment. 
It's like one of those, you know, one of those, well, what's that thing, Catherine? A loop. A computer loop. Yes, that's it. Computer loops. You know, you put in the program, you punch in the numbers, but you just can't get out. You need to press... Control and break. Yes, yes, take control and break. Freeze. It's empty. Why, yes, Wendy. Haven't you been listening to a word we've said? No, no, the coffin. It's empty. Where's the body? Well, it's not here. Goodness, no. It's long gone. I, I don't understand. Then why... It's, it's better to keep that kind of unpleasantness out of sight. Out of sight, out of mind. Exactly. Exactly. Do you see that? Kate knows exactly what I mean. Three years we've been married and she nearly reads my thoughts. Wendy, are you okay? You look white as a sheet. I just... I guess... I guess I was expecting something different. What were you expecting? I don't know. Just... Just something different. Do you have a light... I would simply just die for a cigarette. Wasn't that ironic? Are you okay? Wendy, you look as white as... A sheet! Brilliant! She never misses a mark, do you see? Allie? What are you doing here? You don't happen to have a light, do you? No, sorry. I don't smoke. I'm hosting the party. I asked Gabriel to go. You look upset. Of course you don't smoke. I like your look, Allie. Different from what I usually see you in at the office. What do you mean? I mean, the nose ring and those earrings. Even the dark makeup. It looks good on you, don't get me wrong. I'm just not used to seeing you like this. Have you been to my shop? Shop? You work at our office. Do you have another job? No, I don't have time. My body image is booty. takes all my time. Do I know you from somewhere else? Allie? Be serious. I'm frazzled enough tonight. I'm sorry, Wendy. I don't remember meeting you before. Maybe you've got me mixed up with someone else. I back away from her. She looks at me like I'm some kind of fruitcake, but I know what I know. Allie has been my office assistant for three years now. She's steady, dependable, boring. Everything you want a secretary to be. The kind of person whose idea of a night away is curling up by her radiator with a trashy romance novel, a box of Oreo cookies, and a glass of milk. Someone you can call at 10 o'clock at night and give instructions for the next morning. The Allie before me is an alien. Her black lipstick mouth sneers at me. I feel stricken. I don't know what has happened. I leave as quickly as I can. I couldn't bear the humiliation of telling Gabriel about it. He never asks, and I'm glad. I put him through enough tonight. The wake, the empty coffin, the people. Allie, I was constantly on edge. I don't think I'd make it home if Gabe wasn't walking with me. Well, this is my stop. Thanks for a lovely evening. I'm sorry you didn't get a chance to play your horn, Gabe. There'll be other times. Good night, Wendy. Gabe, wait! I forgot to ask. You said, Count Basie, the silence between the music. You said something about God being in the intervals? Yes. What did you mean about that? Uh, It's late. And it's really not time for the music anyway. Night, Wendy. Gabe? Gabe! But, damn it! I feel heavy all of a sudden, weary, like I can't take another step. Every step I take brings me closer to my bed and I feel drawn deeper and deeper into exhaustion. When I fumble for my keys to get into my apartment, I feel like I've been walking for ages, lifetimes to get here. I lean against the door just to open it. My apartment is my sanctuary, a sepulcher, and as quiet as a tomb this late at night. I just place my keys on the countertop and go to close the curtains of the front street window when I see it. My building is the only apartment complex on the block. That's why I like it. Across from me and all around my apartment are houses with carefully gated small iron fences and pristinely kept yards. Even the lampposts are those great dark green tower-like structures that are bent like like used-up dandelion flowers with their petals long gone and the seeds blown away at the end of spring. Hands on the curtains, ready to pull them down when something catches my eye. It's the Rizuka family, Bob and Maddie. They live right across from me. In front is their tree, the only one in the yard that's mature in the whole neighborhood. I swear it's been here long before the pilgrims bought the island from the natives for beads. They're like on. Not a bright one, just the front porch light. I know I should be in bed. I shouldn't think anything about it. I mean, what's one light? But for some reason, it just doesn't sit with me. And I pull the drapes to the window back further, 
The neighbors to the Rizuka's right have their front porch light on. The Benjamins, and that gay couple with the schnauzer two doors beyond that, and miserable Mr. Franklin, mean the neighborhood crank. Everyone, 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 as far as my eye can scan past my window frame, has front porch lights on. It's a coincidence, sure. Or it's a new policy to scare away burglars. Maybe they always have their lights on and I just never noticed before. But I'm sure. I mean, absolutely certain, as Christ with a cowboy, that no one in my neighborhood is up past 11 except me. I check the kitchen clock over the stove as it buzzes along. The second hand never stops, even for a moment in its tireless journey of time. Just 37 seconds until the clock strikes 12 all around the world of the city. I'm entranced. What am I waiting for? Just midnight and people have their lights on. Why did I trade sleep for this lunacy? Somehow, I can't move from this spot, no matter how tired I am. I want to see how long this vigil of lights will continue. Will they shut off automatically on timers spent like fireflies? Or will they stay on all night, unblinking? I keep thinking how interesting their lives must be, wasting such electricity just to entertain a poor, lonely, boring girl like me out from the country. Starstruck. Starstruck by all the lights. And then it happens. If I took a long yawn, rubbed my eyes and closed them as I want to, I'd miss it. As it was, I saw it happening. It's madness, sheer madness. I can't understand, I just watch. At once, like waking up on Christmas morning and stepping out of bed, they all come out of their houses. People, maybe a dozen people, they stretch and walk out to the street. Then they turn right as if drilling on a parade square, all in one perfect motion like they share one thought. They stride down the sidewalk to the next house and then march back up the adjoined walkways. All the gates clang shut together as one. And then, without acknowledging or bowing at how masterfully it's choreographed, they close the doors of their new houses and shut off the lights. I stand here my eyes wide, stunned. My head cranes well up beyond my window frame boundary now. Without warning, a full 12 people that I could see clearly from my window got out of their cozy beds, walked out past their houses, stepped left, and walked into new houses as if there was nothing unusual. A moment later, and all the lights in the neighborhood wink out as one. Jesus, I'd kill for a smoke right now. I'm sorry. I couldn't even find a match at home. I was about ready to lean over and turn up the burner on my stove, but I didn't have enough time. Do you know what I mean? You don't have a light, do you? I'm sorry, I gave up smoking. A long time ago, I remember. You look tidy this morning. I'm sorry, tidy? Yes, you know, spick and span, hospital corners clean, sharply shaven and neatly pressed. How do you do it? I'm sure I don't know what you mean. Where to today? I can barely struggle out of bed, place a brush through my hair, and fight into clothes, and here. And you're smiling, pleased as punch, every morning the same. You must enjoy your job. It's what I do. Where to? Where to? Where to? Of course, where to? Ninth floor, that's where to. You're sure? Okay. Just for argument's sake, let's say that I don't want to go to the ninth floor today. Where would you recommend I go? That's not up to me. Okay. Let's say that it is, though. Where would you, in the infinite spaces between spaces within the entire 17 floors in this office building, get off at? I wouldn't get off. It's my job to help people to their destination. No, I mean if you were me. Ninth floor. You sure you want to get out here? Sure. I need a smoke. Have a good day, Wendy. How did you... I don't remember you ever... Good morning. You've got your messages on your desk. John Simpson wants you to call him back before noon. 
Bob has a meeting with you about your staff's performance appraisal from last week, and you've got the entire afternoon booked for the Brodicker account. Kate, how long have I known the elevator operator? I'm sorry, ma'am? The elevator operator. Jesus, Katie brings me up here every day. Don't you take the elevator? No, I take the stairs. And you wouldn't have another lighter. No, sorry. You don't smoke. That's okay. I'm trying to quit anyway. If there's anything else? Okay, then. Just give me a buzz if you need me. Ah, Kate. Pure, sweet, sure as the sunrise, comforting as your favorite blankie, loyal as your childhood memories. Kate. Sure, we went through some rocky starts three years ago. Breaking in a new assistant is always a bit of a trial. But Kate was easy. Unchanging as the sun in the sky and as certain as night follows day. That's the trick. Finding someone's patterns. If you can find their patterns, their habits, then all it takes is gauging what they will and won't accomplish within those parameters. It's almost scientific. And most of us don't even spend the time watching. I'm a people person. I watch. Most of the time, though, I imagine what it would be like to be them. Ever notice that everyone around you seems to have things put together far better than you? I feel like my skin is this thin veneer, that somehow I'm just barely covering bones with my daily patterns. Some people feel trapped by their day-to-day grind. I think it's the only thing keeping me sane. If I didn't know precisely what was going on from moment to moment in my world, I think I'd go absolutely crackers. Part of me wonders if that's the case for everyone. If we're all just finding one good day that worked out and building every day around it. Every day we try to get up the same way, just like that one good day. Brush our teeth, go to work, have simple, meaningless conversations on the subway when necessary, make important yet equally meaningless power meetings with people who are trying to make the same connections in work, in their personal lives, in life. All in the name of that one good day that we can't remember, but that one good day that made us think, I want to do this forever. This is what life is about. The day drove over me like a delivery truck making its last Friday run. I pulled myself down the stairs to the street and decided to walk a bit before heading home. I seem to remember Gabe saying something about a concert in the park. I thought maybe I could shop away the drearies on the way there. It's pretty quiet for 5.30. There's no rush hour traffic. Just a couple of cars make their way lazily down the pavement. No more than 20 or so people by my count. Out on a leisurely stroll as if they have nowhere to go. And nothing else to do but walk the streets on a weekday. Even the shops seem quiet. Several of them are closed. Closed so early? Maybe I'm in an ethnic neighborhood and there's a holiday I don't know about. It feels almost creepy. Like, I don't belong and I can't shake the feeling. Like, the streets are pulling me. I find myself backing into a small shop just to get away from all the openness. I didn't see what it was until I entered. The place is dark, gothic. The smell of burning incense and gaudy crosses up on the walls with red velvet doesn't help my unease. When a young woman in her early twenties, with earfuls of piercing and lips and eyelids sparkling silver comes over, I couldn't shake the deja vu. Can I help you, miss? Allie? You're Allie, right? Yeah, we met before. At the wake last night, I remember. That's right. Your name is Wendy, right? Right. Wendy Smith. I made a big hit at the party by opening the coffin. Right. Gutsy move. Yeah. What did you say his name was? You know, the guy in the coffin. I didn't know him. You didn't? No, my date has this thing about going to funerals, wakes even. Oh. Oh. Did you watch Piercing? Um, no. I was uh, just looking. Are you sure? It'll make you a new woman. New woman? Yeah, you know, more confident. Really? Yeah, and you can have it concealed. That's the great thing about most body piercings nowadays. You can have them in places that aren't so noticeable, or you can be in your face with them. In your face? Sure, you know. I had this one woman in. Her husband wasn't interested anymore. At least, that was what she was complaining about. No interest in sex. You know how it is. Well, not really. I'm not married. That really doesn't matter. You know, men, polish the pride and joy and they'll follow you forever. So I set her up with the real thing. Real thing? Tongue ring. A stud. See? And that helped her? 
That looks painful. No, only when it pokes through your tongue. <laughs> Sorry, office humor. I mean, it helped her. Tongue studs are supposed to be excellent for fellatio. Is that why women get them? Some women, sure. Me, I like the look of it. Doesn't it get in the way? Food. No, I don't really notice it most of the time. And I have something else to play with when I'm bored. Well, thanks. I really should get going now. You're sure I can't get you a piercing? Sometimes all you need is a change to feel like yourself. A change to feel like yourself? Well, that's a little strange thinking, isn't it? I guess so. I also know it works. Well, maybe some other time. You mean it? Well, maybe. I don't know. I've, I've got to go now. I'm late to meet someone, and I'm just dying. You don't have a light, do you? Actually, the incense smell comes from some filters I plug into the walls. Fire marshal rules and I don't. You don't smoke. I don't smoke. Okay. Thanks, Allie. Nice to see you again. See you later. I'll be waiting. I'd be born again for a cigarette, I swear. My limbs are shaking now as I look for home. I think I've lost my way. All the streets seem the same. Even though I only met Allie last night, it's strange. Like, I should know her from somewhere else. My brain is hazy like it's trying to slug through mud. I'm sure my street is up here somewhere. I look left and then right. There seems to be fewer people around. Like the whole city is yawning, getting ready for bed, but it's only just after six. Why would everyone be going to sleep now? I find the park that spans three blocks and runs adjacent to my street. It's so simple. I can't believe I've missed it before. What's wrong with me? My head up in the clouds. No one is ever going to think twice. No one is going to miss me if the ground just swallowed me up right now and I disappeared forever. I feel heavy, like I can barely move again. Drunk, and I haven't even had a sip. I feel like crying, but I can't even manage a single tear. I hate that. So upset that you can't even cry. So overwrought that you can't even get upset. I can see a crowd by a bandstand. Well, maybe not much of a crowd. There may be 15 people at the most. No one is saying anything. They're just watching. Like something caught their attention while they were walking by. In a moment, I'm behind them. I find myself sliding between them. Their bodies still as statues. What are they watching? Excuse me, sorry. Excuse me. And then I see him. It's Gabe. And he's there, standing up on the bandstand. In his hands, he's holding his cornet. It looks unused, tarnished. But even in this dying sunlight, it shines. It shines. He keeps putting it up to his mouth and then back down to his chest, his head bowed. His face looks like there's something sour on the mouthpiece because he just keeps doing it over and over again. He brings the cornet up, lifts his arms and his elbows, his cheeks tighten, and then just like that, he lowers the horn down to his chest and bows his head, scowling. What's he doing? I don't know. He's been doing that for five minutes. Why doesn't he play? It looks like he's having a battle with it, doesn't he? Why is everyone here? seemed like he's going to play. No, I mean, why is everyone crowded around him right now? You're here, ain't you? <laughs> You've got a good point. Well, no use waiting forever, is there? I guess not. I didn't see you, Wendy. Gabe, I was hoping to hear you play. I was practicing. Practicing? But I couldn't hear... I was practicing the silence. Did you like it? <laughs> the silence! Of course, like the silences you were telling me last night. I... I don't think the rest of the crowd appreciated your performance art. I wouldn't exactly call it art. I had the mind to play, maybe. But I don't think it's time yet. Do you? I... I wouldn't know. Walk you home? Sure. I'm just down the block here. You know, Gabe, I don't know that much about you. But I can't really remember a time when I didn't know you. Yeah, I guess I just have that kind of face. Very familiar. What do you do? Do? For money. I mean, since you're learning how not to play the horn. A little of this, a little of that. I'm just here on the right. 
You don't have to tell me if you don't want to. No, it's not that. He who loses money loses much. He who loses a friend loses much more. He who loses faith loses all. Oscar Wilde? Eleanor Roosevelt. Now there was a woman. Indeed. Can I invite you up for a coffee? Uh, no. I think I'd better be getting home. I think my dry spell may be almost over with. That's great news. For us all. Have a good night, Wendy. I watched Gabriel leave, and I can't help but get the feeling that it's the last time I'm ever going to see him. It's strange. Like, when you can't take a breath or your heart stops for a moment. You don't know if there's a moment after when your mind screams to you and there's this horrible silence. Like, everything is over, and it's so real and unreal all in that very moment. I just watched Gabe walk away. I wanted to shout at him. I wanted to call him back up to my place. I wanted to tell him to be safe walking home. I don't know. Maybe I'm just lonely. Maybe I just want to prove I'm not alone. I don't know. Whatever it is, I just stand here watching him walk further and further in the distance. No cars on the street now and nobody else on the sidewalks. And he's walking further, walking away, far away. I have to tear my eyes from where he disappeared and force myself through the door up to my apartment. My, my hand trembles when I find the keys to the lock. But the door opens even as I touch it. I'm sure I locked it before I left for the office, right? Yes, of course I did. Inside, I smell the stove cooking, pots boiling. I freeze. Who's in my apartment? I almost turned around and slinked back down the hall, down to a neighbor to call the police, but it's foolish. What kind of a burglar makes soup in the kitchen and leaves the lights on in the evening for everyone to see? I hold my bag tightly and step in. Maybe it's Kate. Sure, Kate has a key. Or Mom. Yes, I sent Mom a key last Christmas and she's here. She's sorry she hasn't picked up the phone for many of my calls in last week and she's here making dinner for me. She knows how desperately lonely I've been and maybe she's... I'm running now. Running through the cramped hall in my apartment around the bend. I stopped sharply at the figure in the kitchen. Who? Who are you? What are you doing in my apartment? Your apartment? I pay my share too, you know. You're in the wrong place. Please, please leave or I will call the cops. Are you feeling all right? Look, I'm sorry about last night. I shouldn't have made such a fuss. But you were ever so charming and witty. And you won't... I don't know who you... Wait a minute. You're... You're Jason... No... Jeffrey, right? Really, Wendy, this is not a fun game. I know you had a hellish time at work, but my day was no picnic either. But you were in the funeral party last night with... with... Uh, who were you with? With you, darling. We went together. Don't you remember? I mean, you walked in bold as blazes and made some kind of fuss about it being awake. It was absolutely dazzling. They didn't know which way you were going to go next. Now sit down and let's have some dinner and get you into a bath and bed and you'll feel much better Stop. in the morning. Don't! Don't move any closer! I... I don't know who you are. I mean, I remember you from the party, but that's it. Don't. I warn you, I will. I will. I'll scream if you move closer. It's okay, Wendy. Just relax. I'm not going to hurt you. Why would I? After all, we've been married for three years now. Running. I ran so fast out of the apartment. I nearly fell down the stairs. Jeffrey is right behind me. I swear I can feel his breath on my neck. Do you know that childhood terror? Everything is happening so fast and you just run and run and run and your legs go rubbery and your chest tightens with stabbing pains and you just run and run. It can't be more than seven o'clock at night, but everyone's gone. The city sets empty as a tomb. No lights beyond the street lamps. All the buildings and houses are dark, even in the distance like silent mountains. Shadowy, distant sentinels watching me. I can only hear the sound of my shoes hitting the pavement. I can only feel my lungs scream as I gasp for breath. I can't, can't get enough air. Terror freezes my chest and I feel dizzy like I'm going to tumble over and over along the concrete. I feel the panic starting to subside. I know that either I have lost Jeffrey or he has stopped trying to follow me. I'm in a back alley. It's dark. 
just one street lamp making patterns like a charcoal sketch shading of a city landscape. It's all just black and white. A bleached bulb somewhere is pumping its steady antiseptic light against the dark. Like I'm looking up into a hospital lamp from a gurney. Like the last pure light anyone would see in their life. I'm sinking against a wall. I drop off my shoes. My feet hurt. My eyes are wet with tears. The sobs in my chest come strangled, helpless. I can't conceive of it all, of what's happening. It's all changed, changing. Am I losing my grip on sanity? Everyone else seemed happy, at home. No one else sees the differences. Am I losing my mind? Is it all just me? Maybe I'm the one seeing all this and everyone else sees my husband Jeffrey. Pities him, poor man has to deal with his mad wife. No, no, I'm not married. I am alone, alone. One does not forget a life just like that. One doesn't wake up one day and forget oneself and everything they are, everything they become. How could they do that? How would anyone do such a thing? You okay? I scramble back along the wall. The fear begins to overtake me again, but there's nowhere to go. I'm lost. So utterly lost. Why are you crying? I'm, I'm not crying. I'm just upset. Why aren't you home? Isn't it dinner time? We've got time. I like to play. I can see that. What, what are you doing? This street has the best sidewalks. Real smooth. See? Feel them. Just bend down. See? It's real smooth, isn't it? <laughs> well, aren't you the brave girl? Yeah, you're right. The sidewalk is smooth. Is that what you've been doing? Coloring with the chalk in your hands? I like to draw. Do you like to draw? I used to. When I was a girl. Just, just about your age. I used to draw comics on the street just like you. My dad would bring home chalk. All kinds of colors, and I used to... Look! I drew my mom, and my dad here, and my sister, and my dog. Yes. It's... We'll just have to turn to let the light in a little. It's dark down here, but look. You've drawn the trees green, and the sky blue, and your dad, he looks strong. And your dog... That's funny. He's just like my... I forgot about that dog. I loved... I loved that dog. Here, want to draw it? We've got time left. Time. <laughs> sure, time. What else am I going to do? Look, you've got three different picture squares here. You filled the first one. I used to do that too. Make the square first and then draw the picture in it. Keep, Keep inside the lines, just like a comic. And then you can draw a story from beginning, middle, to the end. Yes, yes. Okay, you finish the first one. What do you want to have for the second? You do the last one. I'll do the second picture. What do you want me to draw? What do you want to draw? You can do whatever you want. It's okay. Whatever I want. What a lovely idea. Now, now, what... What will I draw in the last picture? Anything you want. Really, it's okay. I'm going to be a dancer someday. I want to float and dance with the sugar plum fairies. Dancing? Yes. That's a beautiful idea. Look, you've got a big space between your picture and mine. Much larger than the space between your first picture and... And the one you're drawing a dancer in now. Do you think so? Why, yes, it's almost twice as big. Did I do it wrong? Wrong? Oh, no, darling, not at all. I mean, there's nothing wrong with putting more space. It gives me room. I mean, now there's more space between us while we draw. You know, it's almost... Almost like... Hmm? Nothing. Just... Just my friend, Gabe. He said... God is in the silence. I wonder. I wonder if he's in the gaps. Gaps? Yeah, the gaps. You know, between these pictures. It's so quiet in those gaps, and yet they help you to focus. I mean, it's easy to see that you have a wonderful family. 
And then you'll grow up to be a beautiful ballerina. Cool. Yeah, cool. But then, with this space, it's quiet, don't you think? It's almost like it's this long moment, this pause. Like God is trying to get our attention, trying to tell me something, to focus on how this next picture is going to happen. What comes next? What comes next after Happily Ever After? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe you can draw a different picture. Maybe one with a princess and dragons. Maybe. Maybe a different story altogether. I mean, if there's nothing else that can be said, then is that all there is to it? Maybe. Yes. Yes. Maybe. Maybe you could use the orange. Would that help you get started? <laughs> maybe I need some orange. What would I draw with orange? I like to start with the sun. A good picture always starts on a new day. A new day. That's a good start. A sun. Something so bright. Sorry, ma'am. Just, just this little girl I met last night on my way home. It was really dark out, and she had the brightest chalk colors. I drew with her for a while. She had the sweetest smiles and dreams. Children see things differently from us. There's little that can't be accomplished when you're young. So many opportunities. She, she was trying to tell me something. And it's funny. I don't think she even really knew she was telling me something. Do you know what I mean? Where to? Oh, can we stop for just a moment? As you wish, ma'am. I just—it's—it's it's at the tip of my head. Even this morning, when I woke up beside Jeffrey, I couldn't tell him. He wouldn't have understood. But you understand now. I think so. I think I can almost understand. I'm—I'm I'm dead. Oh no. Just the opposite, Wendy. Then this isn't heaven. Not exactly. Would you like to go there? You mean I can? You can choose to go wherever you want, Wendy. But some choices are harder than others. I can still go to the ninth floor. You can, but I don't think you want to go anymore. No. No, I don't. But I'm still afraid. That's okay. It's okay. Christ, you're always so easygoing. Why can't you give me any answers? I just operate the machinery. You've got to decide where you want to go. Could you do me a favor? Favor? You've never. I mean, sure. What is it? Could you not call me that? I prefer my birth name. Call you what? Christ? I didn't mean. I mean, I wasn't. <laughs> oh. Jesus, you're... Yes, yes I am. But I meant, I, I wasn't calling you, I was just... I know, but still I think a part of you knew anyway. I think... I think you're right. So, I'm not dead. Just the opposite. I'm alive? Not quite, but you're almost there. And that's where I'm supposed to go... Right after you let all this go. This? Your life. The life you once led. The life of Wendy Smith. It's gone now. Did you have a good life? I... I remember now. Yes. I was married. I had a child. The girl on the street. The one who played hot cross buns. The girl on the sidewalk, she was my child. She was me. She reminds you of both, doesn't she? She's long gone now, too. Gone? Just that life. Uh, she's elsewhere now. Elsewhere? We all need a break sometimes. A chance to think about what our purpose is. But, uh, but I thought that after death we would know all. Maybe someday. But did you ever learn anything you weren't ready to learn before? No, but does does this mean there's no 
God? Oh, no. He's there. Or she's there. Depends on how you want to look at her or him. Where? Here, there, all around us, just watching what we were doing. Are you ready to do it again? The silence. The gaps. God's in all that. Exactly. Not in the details. He's in the quiet, in your mind. When you look out to the sea, when you listen in the forest, when you pray in church, God's there. The details, they blind us from the whole. And he has a plan? Who can say? Right now, the plan is in your hands. Where to, ma'am? I think... I think I want to try another picture, please. I mean, I think I'm ready to start again. Sounds like a good choice. That music. That's Gabe. Yes. He can really play his horn, can't he? He's always been my favorite, you know. Gabriel? I I guess the silence has ended for him. For all of us. Just walk through the doors and all this will disappear. After all, it's just shadows of your old life. And shadows can never remain. Not when there's enough sunlight. Oh, Jesus, it's... it's a woman and a man. She's... About to give birth. It's all there. A spark of life. A healthy young boy. Can you feel the love between them? It's so beautiful. The way he's holding her hand. The way she looks into his eyes. Can I go to them? They're waiting. I guess... I guess I'm finally ready. You'll tell Gabe. He already knows. Will I get it right this time? You never got it wrong last time. Remember that, ma'am. Remember, it's not about that. I know. Just lots of colors. Yes. Use lots of colors. Goodbye. And hello. Mrs. Wendy Smith. A woman who found out that clinging to the envy of the past keeps a soul from reaching completion, the one thing most needed in this world, the next, or in the Shadowlands. Seven Deadly Sins, Episode 2, Envy, Completion, was created and written by Jack J. Ward. The part of Wendy Smith was played by Sarah Steves. The operator was performed by Bob Munson. Ryan Horn played Gabriel, B. Campbell played Allie, and the lady in the crowd was Jocelyn White. Robin Smith was Kate, and Jack J. Ward was Jeffrey. Manfred Onward was Timothy, and Hazel Walling was the little girl. Shadowlands theme music was created by Christopher Moreno. Incidental music themes and scores by Sharon B. Fowler. Editing by Paul Patterson and Jack J. Ward. Sound effects and digital landscape by Andrew Dorfman. Shadowlands is directed and produced by Jack J. Ward and Andrew Dorfman and recorded in the sound studios of CKDU 97.5 FM in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Shadowlands Theatre is a work of fiction. All dramatic material within is for entertainment purposes only. Any references to real events, businesses, or locales are intended only to give the fiction a sense of reality and authenticity and not to describe any actual conduct. Any character's resemblance to an actual person, either living or dead, is entirely coincidental. Well, Shadowlands, <laughs> Shadowlands Theatre is, is designed to be a sort of a hearkening back to an older age of radio drama, a time when um, all the great stories were heard on the air as opposed to over the air and in a visual manner. And so I... I and Andrew have had a, a real love affair with radio drama for, for many years. And I was very lucky that I had parents 
that sort of realized I had this sort of leaning and bought me all these old-time Radio Classic on records, LPs. And for those who don't know what that is, it's kind of like a CD, but it's really, really large. <laughs> and uh, so I listen to those all the time on a regular basis and just really love the medium of the mind. Yeah. I was also, the medium of the mind, that, that right there I find, that's one thing I find particularly fascinating about radio drama because it, it leaves so much up for the imagination to, you know, to come up with your own visuals for, for stuff. What, what, what's particular about, uh, about radio drama that, that, you know, attracted you folks to be doing this kind of stuff? For me, the case is the fact that it's just such a powerful medium to be able to listen to um, because what you most fear is the stuff you can't see. Mm-hmm. What you're most titillated, you know, in science fiction and fantasy is the stuff that you imagine. That's what makes like writing so so amazing to be able to read somebody's novel. People don't read anymore, <laughs> so this gives you know a super opportunity to come back to sort of getting away from being force-fed images and you know superimposed movie images and that, and coming back to like the real kernel of storytelling. The mind will always create the most powerful image. We can paint a picture, and once we've created that image, the mind will give it form. Lupa Goy used to say that about when she was doing a Royal Canadian Air Force on the radio. She was saying it was great because she could be, you know, five foot ten, blonde, bubbly, the gorgeous one. No one would ever know. Well, now she's on television. She can't really change her, per, you know, her persona so easily. Mm-hmm. So. Well. Uh, the listeners of the greater Halifax area and, and beyond have a lot to look forward to in terms of a lot of originally writ- a lot of original radio plays uh, that you folks have written. Now, I guess, I guess, firstly, have you folks done any writing for stuff other than radio, like a live theater or or print or television? I guess would be the first thing. Jack? Yeah, I've I've done all sorts of stuff um, in and out. In university, I've done I have had a couple of radio shows, um, but not dramatic ones. I have written plays. I've done some television stuff. So, yeah, all through my life, writing has been a real passion of mine. Because with that, what's it like writing for radio, and how is it different? It's, it's in funny, in some ways, it, it is similar to writing um, episodic TV to a certain degree and, and that kind of thing. But there is a lot of, um, the stage directions are different. You know, there are more vocal directions, and there's special special effect directions that you have in television. You could do a whole bunch of really interesting descriptions to try and paint a picture for a director, but if you do a good job as a writer, you don't really need to. You can do a very small description and be able to give that image through the actual writing, which is what we try to do. We try to sort of sit there and, and use dialogue to move you know, the setting, the scene, the pacing, all those kinds of things. So that's a real change. What original Shadowlands plays do we have to uh, look forward to in the near future? As one of the main writers, I am pretty excited, I, I have to say. It's, it's a real thrill for me to be able to see this stuff that I've written put out. We have a series of seven called The Seven Deadly Sin. So we've got sort of a, a lot of horror. We've got a lot of mystery. Our very first radio play we did was called um, so, uh, Right Number, Wrong Party. And uh, it's a classic radio drama thriller. So we have a number of those. Uh, we have some film noir style sort of detective stuff. There's a really cool uh, four-part series called uh, Grave Shift. And we have a four-part comedy, a great parody of old Buck Rogers serial <laughs> called uh, Biff Straker and Spaceways. We've got Falcon Men. We've got uh, the Mud Men of Clayoria. We've got an incredibly um, stupid but still lovable hero by the name of Biff Straker. Now, one of the things with radio productions is I, I, I know that there's always a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that generally a listener who would listen to anything on radio doesn't really maybe fully appreciate all the, everything that kind of takes place before stuff gets sent over the airwaves. I was wondering if you can tell us a little bit about what goes on behind the scenes of Shadowlands. It starts with script development, which... Uh is anywhere from one month to three years. Uh, Then after it's written out, Jack and I go over it and see if it works correct. Any sort of uh, 
errors in speaking, like uh, in, in conversational tone. Then, once it's printed out and we take it to the actors, they take it into a whole different direction that we weren't completely prepared for. So we have whole rewrites that go, not, not to mention the editing. After it goes out, it's edited by a third party who cuts it up. Then we take it to the actors and they edit it again and put their own spin on it because just because we've seen it a particular way doesn't necessarily mean that we it's right. It, quite often you come across an actor who gives that character a, a dimension that we weren't prepared for and we really like it so we go with it that way. After that we sit down and record it, which is uh, after a month of rehearsals, two rehearsals a week uh, for an hour and a half, and, and our actors go through rigorous training. Oh, it's tough. It's like boot camp. <laughs> but they're really good to put up with us, and they're, and they're really, really dedicated actors. Then we take it, we bring them into the studio, the wonderful studios here at CKDU. Yes, CKDU 97.5. Listen to it or you're missing out. We get it in here, we record, and then it's all the errors, all the cracks, all the pops, all the hisses get digitized on the computer, cut out, edited, recompiled, put into one continuous long strip, make sure that everything is nice and tight the way it's supposed to be raw. Then you go through it, add any vocal effects that have to go over top of it, then add sound effects, and that can be anywhere from the adding the effects can be anywhere from an eight hours of work for a really, really simple one to something like Biff Straker, which will take, you know, at least 72 hours straight of work or and more. And there's all sorts of interesting little things that, that we do afterwards, like Andrew will... We'll finish, and Andrew does all this post-production stuff, and it's, you're right, it's the stuff that people don't hear, and it's one of the most important things, because it takes forever, and it really makes the difference of whether it sounds professional or not. Mm -hmm. And so when he listens, to, you know, he gets it done, again, he sends it back to me, and I listen to it, and I'll have a number of notes, and then we'll, we'll go back again, and we'll do some other changes, and eventually it comes into a sort of a tight-knit CD that we can actually be able to listen to and feel good about. But we can do tightening things like... You know, we need to get this snappier, so, you know, cut off some space or overlap some of this dialogue so it, it sounds more naturally as people are interrupting each other. And it's, then at the very end, after all that's done, we pack it up and we send it away. We have a great uh, uh, Canadian composer, and Sharon, B. Sharon, B., Sharon B. Fowler, and she takes it and she plays it and tinkles the uh, ivories and, and adds it, an original score to the play afterwards and we uh, we have a complete play but the sound effects make a huge difference to what comes out but the score just sets the mood without the without the score in the background you don't get the same kind of tension that you do if the actors are the power they are the driving engine behind the story the sound effects are the atmosphere they are the pictures and the music is the uh, the mood that you give it. It's the emotion. And it all comes together to create a full image in your mind. And you can't separate them. without. If you miss one part in it, the whole thing just falls a little bit flat somewhere. Now, one thing that's obvious to, I'm sure, many of your listeners out there, as well as uh, in-house here at CKDU-FM, we know that you two, Jack and Andrew, you folks work really well together. How did this collaboration begin? Like, when did, when did you f two first start Who doing stuff together? Who told you we worked well together? <laughs> Where are these sources that you quote? No, we do work well together, and it's, it's funny. We, we've been friends for 10 years now, um, right? We always have this discussion. Yeah, it's 10 years. 10 years now. Hold Wait. on, let me count my rings. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, 10 years. 10 years, yes. But, and, and we, we're lucky in the fact that Andrew and I are completely honest with each other. And when we're ticked off with each other, we're ticked off with each other. And when we're happy with each other, we're happy with each other. But, um, you know, the negative stuff never never sticks. And because we just have this great love for what we're doing and our friendship and that... I think we really complement each other very well because I come up with a long-term 
I come up with ideas and stuff like that. And Andrew was incredibly brilliant at being able to bring out quick dialogue, stuff to tie stuff together, new ideas, fresh ways to look at stuff. It's really a breath of fresh air whenever we can collaborate. It really mm-hmm. is. And as far as CKDU is concerned, uh, we're, we're very pleased and proud to have you folks uh, coordinating so many people, getting so many voices on the air, particularly doing radio drama. It's, it's really awesome. Thank you so much, Pierre, for coming in and, and chatting with us and giving us an opportunity to talk a little bit about Shadowlands and tell you a little bit more about it. I really appreciate it. It's been great. It's been wonderful. Thanks for having me on your show. This has been an Electric Vicuna production. He looks so cute and cuddly as he hops around, delivering colorful eggs to children around the world. But something has gone wrong. A meteor hit the earth near this hard-working bunny, and he started to change. This Easter, experience the terror of Easter Bunny. A 50-foot-tall bundle of ferocious fur will deliver eggs that explode on impact. And watch out for that cotton tail. This cute, cuddly colossus is a true basket case. Coming soon to a theater near you, Easter Bunny. Hippity-hoppity, Easter's on its way.